each of you to a special day, special because the Lord has made it. I'm glad that you are here to worship and to fellowship together. And I want to give you a special invitation to be here this Wednesday evening. We are having prayer meeting here starting at 7 o'clock and we'll be out about 8 o'clock. I won't keep you too long. And I started this past Wednesday evening a series on the subject of prayer. We will be looking at the subject of prayer probably for a good 25 or 30 weeks. I am firmly convicted and convinced that prayer must be a part of the foundation upon which we are built as individuals, 
as family and as a church collective. So I'll give you a special invitation to be here Wednesday. Again, I want to welcome each of you. And I want to give a special welcome to some of our brethren. I hope this won't embarrass you. Uh, but some of our brethren from the uh, Latter-day Saints Church. We're glad that you are here today. My wife and I had the privilege of pastoring in Ogden, Utah from 93 until 2000. And we have a lot of good uh, Mormon brothers and sisters in Christ. And in fact, our uh, grandson, our youngest grandson, will actually be going on a mission uh, Tuesday for two years. Some of you, I do not have your names beside telephone numbers yet, and so I don't have much hair to pull, and so I want to make sure that when you send me a text message, I know who is sending the text message. So if you will grace me with that, uh, I will certainly appreciate it. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we pause to thank you for what we've already experienced with you and one another during this time of worship and fellowship together. And realizing the importance of what we're about to study from your word today, I am offering myself as a vessel, afresh and anew into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear Son. Please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, so that your purpose, your design purpose, might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because as I pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. In Judges chapter 13, God sent an angel to a husband and wife to inform them that they were going to give birth to a son. His name would be Samson. And Samson would begin to deliver the children of Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. The angel first appeared to the woman and later was sent to the man after she told her husband about that angelic visit. So it's to make sure that we do not miss a very important principle for successful parenting. I want us to read from Judges chapter 13, verses 8 and 12. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O my Lord, let the man of God which thou didst sin come again to us. And underscore these words. And teach us what we shall do unto the child. What a noble request. Teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. Then verse 12. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. And then he asked a question. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? Again, 
What a noble question. And would to God that every prospective parent would ask that same question. God, how shall we order this child? How shall we do unto him? Give us insight how we can teach this child. And so I asked the question, can it be? Can it really be that education and instruction of children will never, will never, will never accomplish all that it might and should accomplish until parents recognize the importance of their sacred responsibilities in regard to that child that's about to be born and they're privileged to parent? Can it be? The Bible is very plain to teach us that upon both fathers and mothers rests an awesome responsibility. One of my favorite writers was impressed by God's sweet spirit to pin the following, found in the book of Education, page 276. Listen. Upon fathers, as well as mothers, rest a responsibility for the child's earlier, as well as its later training. And for both parents, the demand for careful and thorough preparation is most urgent. And then, almost as if someone were about to ask, well, will you be a little more explicit in what you are talking about here? She continued, and I believe she was inspired by God's Holy Spirit. Before taking upon themselves the possibilities of fatherhood and motherhood, men and women should become acquainted with the laws of physical development, with physiology and hygiene, with the bearing of prenatal influences, with the laws of heredity, sanitation, dress, exercise, and the treatment of disease. They should also understand the law mental development and moral training. Now, when I read that a number of years ago, I remember asking myself, why did not someone share that with me before my wife and I conceived our first child? Can you imagine the difference our homes would be if our schools took this counsel to mind and heart. Can you imagine the difference our homes would be if our parents and grandparents took this counsel to mind and to heart? Just between you and me and whoever you choose to share it with, I believe we would be in a lot better condition and position than we are in the days in which we are living. We have responsibilities. And if we do not meet these responsibilities, there will be suffering that takes place. I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that among the areas that we need a revival in the closing hours of earth's history, 
is in regard to this issue. The issue of fathers and mothers being recipients of divine instruction so that they, so that we can effectively be instructors concerning the way of the Lord. Now, since we are in the season that we celebrate and honor motherhood, we want to focus just on mothers today. And in a few weeks, we're going to shift and we're going to focus on fathers. What I'm about to say is not meant to be critical and it's not meant to be judgmental. But my brothers and sisters, we need a revival. We need a revival of real motherhood. We need a revival of women who are anointed and convicted to impart to their children the truths of Heavenly Father that have been established through His Word and communicated to us through the lessons of nature. When we look at the Bible and also history, We have examples of many good parents whose children turned out bad. But we also have many examples of bad parents whose children turned out good. But having made this admission, we must admit that as a general rule, children are often a reflection of parents, either for good are not so good. And so with this introduction, we're going to examine some qualities that were part of the personality and character of Timothy, a young man in the New Testament. Qualities that were present in his personality and character as a result of instruction as a result, if you will, of an investment that two influential persons made in his life, that being his mother and his grandmother. Timothy was a special young man to the Apostle Paul, and this is very evident as Paul communicates in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy. And then just go this, my dearly beloved son. Now we know that Timothy was not a physical son of the apostle Paul, but Paul looked at Timothy as a son. And he looked at him as more than a son. He looked at him as a dearly beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Can you imagine in your minds and hearts how Timothy must have felt when when he read those words penned by the Apostle Paul? Timothy, 
you are my dearly beloved son. And every day and every night, you are part of my communication with the Heavenly Father. There are many qualities that we could take note of in the life of Timothy. But I am impressed to draw attention to three areas very briefly today. Three qualities in Timothy that had a direct link to these two women, his mother and his grandmother. Two women that influenced his life to become very special to God and very special to the Apostle Paul. First quality involves the instruction regarding faith. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. When I call to remember, it's underscore, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that in thee also... That word unfeigned is a very interesting word. It means real. It means sincere. It means without hypocrisy. And so we conclude from this language that, that the sincere, the real, unhypocritical faith of Timothy's grandmother and of his mother influenced him. You see... Timothy was exposed to their faith. And their faith was not a faith of pretense. In their faith, there was no playing around, if you will, in regard to their belief system. There was no pretending in their relationship with Heavenly Father. When Timothy looked at his mother, and when Timothy looked at his grandmother, he saw two women who were sincere. Two women who were real. Two women who were not hypocritical. I believe you will agree with me that childbearing at times can be difficult. And childbearing at times can be even wearisome. I remember when our first child was born, my wife spent 26 hours in labor. I agonized, but I did not agonize nearly as much as she did. But as difficult and as wearisome as child being may be, a mother's authentic confidence in God can be a powerful and lasting impact upon the lives of her child or her children. And the instruction regarding faith invested into Timothy's life by his mother and by his grandmother was one of the things that caused the Apostle Paul to enjoy the company of Timothy. 
brought him joy in being around him. Second quality involves instruction regarding tenderness. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. Greatly desiring to see thee, underscore these words, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. The sensitive part and spirit of tenderness is a special trait that sometimes only mothers can pass on to their children. Because if we will be honest with ourselves and one another, many times it's quite difficult for the male gender to exemplify and radiate tenderness. And this is definitely not a sign of weakness in Timothy's character. But rather, that statement is an indication of an inner concern burning in his mind and heart. An inner concern for the condition and the welfare of other individuals. I cannot tell you how many times I have been addressed personally on this issue. I cannot tell you how many times I have been criticized personally by a few people because of my weeping and my tears that I shed sometimes while I'm preaching. A number of years before I became a Seventh-day Adventist Christian, while I was still a pastor in the Pentecostal movement, I came in possession of the commentaries of the Seventh-day Adventist Christian Church. And so I began reading through those volumes of the Seventh-day Adventist Christian Church, trying to prove them wrong. Trying to prove that the Seventh-day Adventist Christian Church was a cult, was not a part of the Christian community. And so in my daily devotions and when I was preparing my lectures in that Bible college and in pastoring and in evangelizing, I would read what the Seventh-day Adventist commentary had on these verses. And I can still remember so very vividly reading what the Seventh-day Adventist commentary has on 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. And when I read that, it instantly challenged me, and it has been a source of encouragement ever since. And I want to share it with you. It's found in the Seventh-day Adventist Commentary, volume 7, page 328. The Ephesian elders also shed tears when they parted from Paul at Miletus, believing they would see his face no more. And this is recorded in Acts chapter 20. Now, pay particular attention to this last sentence. This tender comradeship of both younger 
An older co-workers is a model relationship for all pastors and ministerial interns to emulate. I wonder what our churches would be like if more churches saw their pastors weeping. If more congregations were exposed to tears of tenderness flowing from the minds and hearts of pastors. I tell you what they would be like. They would be more compassionate in themselves. And you see, this instruction regarding tenderness that was invested into Timothy's life from his grandmother and his mother was one of the things that caused the Apostle Paul to enjoy his company. And this verse says, to be filled with joy. <laughs> Anybody else here besides me like to have that kind of relationship with one another? What a wonderful relationship to have. The third quality involves instruction regarding God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, referring to his mother and grandmother, and that underscore from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. I love to read. I'm somewhat of a bookaholic. I have many books in my libraries. But the most valuable book I have in my library is God's Word. Because as important as the writings of other authors may be, there are none that can compare to a thus saith the Lord. Because the Scriptures, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, are able to make us wise unto salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And I love the blessed book. In fact, next week, I will be sharing a sermon titled, The Importance of Being a Studying People. You don't want to miss next Sabbath. Faithful Jewish parents began teaching the truths of the Old Testament to their children at a very early age. And one of the passages that is used often in the Bible concerns the importance of teaching God's Word to the children, and definitely mothers had a role to play in that instruction. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, beginning in verse 18. Therefore, shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontless between your eyes. And as if someone is about to ask the question, why is this so important? Listen, and you shall teach them your children, 
speaking of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house and upon thy gates. And again, as if someone is about to ask, well, why is this so important? Why is it imperative that we do this? Underscore for the rest of your life and living that your days may be multiplied. You see, God not only wants to add to our days, God wants to multiply our days. <laughs> That's exciting. That's so exciting to me. If I were in a Pentecostal church, you know what I'd do about now, don't you? Can I say it anyway? Hallelujah. God is a God of multiplication. And one of the things that makes us candidates for God to be multiplied in our lives and our awareness of His presence to be multiplied is as we give diligence to God's Word and teach our children. Look at it, it continues. That your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Timothy had been blessed, had been taught by a godly grandmother and a godly mother. And as a, as a result of his willingness to be taught by these two women, he could further be taught by the Apostle Paul and the other apostles. And this instruction regarding God's Word invested into Timothy's life from his grandmother and mother was one of the things that caused Paul to enjoy his company. There are some other areas that we could focus on, but suffice it to conclude that mothers who instruct and impart regarding these three virtues— Instruction concerning faith, instruction concerning tenderness, instruction concerning God's Word. Mothers who instruct and repart, impart regarding these three virtues into their children have a much better opportunity to witness God working in their lives. In conclusion... I want to share with you again from one of my favorite writers from a work titled The Acts of the Apostles, pages 203 and 204. From a child, Timothy had known the Scriptures. The piety that he saw in his home life was sound and sensible. The faith of his mother and his grandmother in the sacred oracles was to him a constant reminder of the blessing in doing God's will. The Word of God was the rule by which these two godly women had guided Timothy. The spiritual power of the lessons that he had received from them kept him pure in speech 
and unsullied by the evil influences with which he was surrounded. And notice this next clause. Thus, his home instructors. Who is that referring to? His mother and his grandmother. They were his home instructors. Praise God for our Christian school. Amen. Thank you for sharing that part with us this morning. Praise God for Pensacola Junior Academy. But my brothers and sisters, as wonderful as that is, as valuable as that is, nothing, nothing, nothing will take the place of being exposed to home instructors. Thus his home instructors had cooperated with God in preparing him to bear burdens. Paul saw that Timothy was faithful, steadfast, and true. And he chose him as a companion in labor and travel. Those who had taught Timothy in his childhood were rewarded by seeing the son of their care linked in close fellowship with a great apostle. And I can't prove it, but I kind of like to believe that every time his mother and grandmother saw Timothy walking beside the side of the apostle Paul, if they didn't point, they thought, that's Timothy. That's my son. That's my grandson. And he's there. Because of us being home instructors. Timothy was a mere youth when he was chosen by God to be a teacher. But his principles had been so established by his early education that he was fitted to take his place as Paul's helper. And though young, he bore his responsibilities with Christian meekness. And all God's people said, Amen. Rebecca's mother went to sleep in the Lord. She was a godly woman in 1992. My mother is still alive. In just a few weeks, she would be 85 years of age. She was just a child almost when I was born. We grew up together. And I will not be with my mother tomorrow on Mother's Day. I will call her. She knows where I am. And so because Rebecca doesn't have a mother here and I don't have a mother close by, if any of you dear elderly saints would like to be our adopted mother, we welcome you. Because you are special to God and you're special to us. I'm going to ask every mother here, would you stand to your feet? Every mother. What a wonderful sight in heaven's view.
In just a few moments, we're going to have a special prayer with you and for you. But before we do, we have a token gift from your church family. Sister Patty is going to share those with you. She might have some helpers. She might have something she'd like to say before doing so. Well, first of all, happy Mother's Day from us. And I do have a token of love for our mothers. And if I can get the children to come up, and help me hand out these little tokens of love to everybody that's standing. Come on, y'all. Come on, children. Where are you? Come on. And once you get a token of love, you can be seated. No, please. Oh, no. Yeah. Don't, don't be seated. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Take a few and then go give them to your mothers and then the other... Aren't these children a lovely sight in heaven's view? Children that are being taught about Heavenly Father. As they're doing this, uh, one of the great experiences Rebecca and I've had as a pastoral couple was when we went to Tom's River, New Jersey, to pastor in 2000. They had children's story like we do here. And every Sabbath, mothers, if you would remain standing, please. Every Sabbath, when the little children would come up for the children's story, the teenagers would come up with them, and they would sit with the little children. They would put their arms around them. And about the second or third week, I thought... This is really something else. Here these teenagers have been taught. Many of them sat and heard children's story. And now they are a part of what's taking place in the lives of these young people. So important that we impart to our children the ways of Heavenly Father. Does every mother have a token of our love and appreciation? Okay. Anyone not have one? Okay. I'm going to ask Rebecca, if she will, to come and stand with me as we have a prayer together. Thank you, young people, very much. Heavenly Father, what a wonderful privilege it is to be part of your family. And with thanksgiving, we bless your holy name for these dear women who have brought forth life. We thank you for the influence that each one has had. And Father, there may be some women standing here today who look back and may have some remorse and 
some regrets, some wishes that maybe they had done things a little differently, said things a little differently. And so we ask that in this moment that you will help each one of those to realize there's nothing that can be done about the past, but they can help present-day mothers to not walk the path of anxiety or frustration that maybe they have. And Father, I'm asking that each of these dear women will be blessed with a special measure of your presence to continue lifting up Jesus so that our children in this area can see Christ and Christ only. May your will continue to be done because this prayer we pray and praises for victories we give in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. As you're seated and as our course that comes to lead us, I want to publicly thank the Lord for the mother of my two daughters. Thank you, Rebecca. Wonderful. 
Jesus, only Savior, sanctify forever, beautiful words, wonderful words, wonderful words of Fathers, we leave this place. We leave with gratitude and thanksgiving for the wonderful words of life that we have received, yea, even from godly grandmothers and mothers. In Jesus' name, amen.